this week on Hope for the Broken. God himself is spirit. So if God is spirit and he breathed spirit within us, then that means he gave us a spirit. And part of being made in the image of God means that we are spiritual beings. Listen, I'm here to tell you, you are way more than just flesh and blood. You are a living soul. And you've been given that by the very breath of God that has been breathed into you. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we begin a new sermon series called What's in a Breath? For the next few weeks, we will be learning about the relationship we have with the Trinity and God's Word. Here's our pastor, Chris Wigley, with part one titled, The Breath of Life. I want to invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. Today, I am beginning a new series of sermons entitled, What's in a Breath? What's in a breath? And uh, there are several places in the Bible where uh, the breath of God or, or breath is specifically alluded to. And we want to examine a few of those and, and over the course of this series. And here's the great news about that, is this will give us an opportunity to discuss core doctrinal matters. And when we consider the today like the breath of life, this very theology, this very core doctrine of the Christian faith informs so much of how we view the world. But breath is vital to life. And so when we say the breath of life, we understand that there is no life apart from breathing. If you cease to breathe, you cease to live. How many of you, by chance, have an Apple watch that you wear on a regular basis? Okay, a few of you. Now, one thing that I've noticed about my Apple watch is that from time to time, it will vibrate and it will ask me to breathe, right? Like, it makes me wonder, am I not breathing or something? Like, why is my watch telling me to breathe? But apparently, there are some very key benefits to breathing deeply on a daily basis, on a consistent basis. In fact, I came across an article that talked about the fact that deep breathing, daily deep breathing, regular deep breathing helps to alleviate stress. It's known to relieve pain, lower blood pressure, increase energy, and improve digestion, to name a few. I know in my own life, in times of heightened worry or maybe even periods of anxiety in my life, I know when just to take in a deep breath and to let it out does, does a lot of good. And so there's some, some benefits to breathing. But throughout the Bible, there are several moments to where the breath of God is alluded to. And we're going to look at those instances. Today, the breath of life. Then next week, we're going to take a look at uh, the breath of God's Word. Scripture says that, that God's Word is God-breathed. Right? And then we're going to take a look at Jesus' breath on the cross. We're going to take a look at the breath of the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus when he breathed again. And so I'm really excited about this series. And I hope you'll make plans to be a part of all of it. And, and here's a truth that I know. I think all of us, regardless of where we are on our spiritual journey, uh, could use a fresh breath from God. Right? There, are, there are challenges that enter into our lives in which we need just... God, would you stir in our hearts afresh? 
Uh, I don't know if that maybe that has to do with your marriage or maybe uh, it's a financial situation, a job situation that you're in. Uh, maybe it's just a, a medical diagnosis you've received. And what you are longing for is just a fresh breath from God. I think we can all relate to that. And so my hope and prayer is that as we understand uh, the breath of God, that this would also be an opportunity for God to breathe afresh in the areas in which you need him to speak to you. And so I want to look at the, the breath of life in Genesis 1 and 2, and I want to do so in 3D, right? You know, guys, I'm a big outline kind of guy, and so all of my outline starts with Ds, and there's three of them. So we're going to look at this in 3D today, and we're going to talk about God's design, we're going to talk about the distinction, and then we're going to look at our destiny, right? That'll serve as our outline, and then I want to mention a couple of application points from this truth. But let's first read the totality of the passages that we're going to study, and then let's begin to dive in to them and discover these great biblical truths Begin reading along with me in your copy of God's Word, Genesis chapter 1, verse 24. And it says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Not sure why creepy things are good, but it was in the original creation. Then God said, verse 26, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Now skip over to Genesis chapter 2, verse number 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. There it is, the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Now I want you to skip down to when God made Eve, verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Now, there's lots to unpack here. Let's first look at the design, God's design in creating mankind, in creating humanity. The first thing that we need to know and understand is that God made us. God designed us. And there are a few things that that are the result of that some doctrinal truths. The first thing is this that I want to point out is that there is harmony between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. There is harmony between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. There are skeptics that would like to suppose that Genesis chapter 1 presents a a creation account, but then Genesis chapter 2 presents an evolutionary account. I was presented to this in a theology class in college, that there are people that believe this. But there is no conflict between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. They operate in harmony with one another. And the way in which they operate in harmony with one another is that Genesis chapter 1 provides the large scope of creation, the creation of the universe, of which man is a part of that creation. 
Then Genesis chapter 2 zooms in on a particular creation, that being mankind, and tells us and gives us more details about how God created mankind. There is no disunity between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. If you ever come across that, dismiss it. It's not true. There is harmony there, and they work in correlation with one another. The second thing that I want to say that is extremely important for us to understand regarding the design of humanity is that God alone created man. Listen, I am here to tell you today that you are not an accident. You are not the result of a cosmic collision that eventually gave way to millions of years of development into a complex organism. That is not how that happened. God purposed to make you. You have a purpose. God has a plan for your life. You are known and you are made by an incredible God. And there's, a, there's an incredible truth to hold on in that circumstance, in that belief. But I want to show you the purpose that God had in creating man. It was so much intentional that he had a conversation within the Godhead before he created man. He says this in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Within the Trinity, we see the intentionality of the creation of mankind. You're not an accident. Humanity is not an accident. It is purposed creation of God. Then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we read exactly how God made man. It says that he took the, the dust of the ground and he formed the man of the dust of the ground. The word translated as formed in the original language means to mold or to shape. Now it carries a much more significant meaning than just to mold and to shape. It means that someone possessing the intelligence, the ability, and the power to create something molded something. I want you to think of a, of a potter here. A potter with, with the ability with the intelligence, with the power to shape something beautiful out of a glump of clay. This is exactly what God did in his intelligence, in his purpose, in his power. He formed Adam. King David echoed this very same idea. In Psalm 139, verse 13, he says, For you formed, there's that word, you formed my inward parts, and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. There's intentionality there. There's specific design there. And then in verse 22 of Genesis chapter 2, we see that God purposed to make a woman. It says in verse 22, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. God intentioned to make men, and he intentioned to make women. Now, something interesting uh, of note here is the difference in words, word choice that, uh, that the author uses in describing man and female. See, for man, he formed him, but for women, he made them. That word made means to build or to fashion. Perhaps your translation has that word fashioned. Now, to me, this makes a lot of sense that dudes were formed, but women were fashioned, Right? There's a reason for that, right? And so they're unique. They're special, right? Can I get an amen, fellas? Right? So we understand that. And God made them, made us different from the very get-go. But here's the deal I want you to know. The very intricacies 
of the human body, the function of the human body, down to the very genetic code coursing through our veins is proof of God's handiwork, God's intentionality, God's workmanship. And that leads us to the third point in understanding God's design, that humanity is God's prized creation. Humanity and according to the biblical account, is God's most prized creation. In fact, when you read the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, you actually see this building, this, this mounting, right? And God said, let there be light. And then God expanded. And then the, God created this. And then God created the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all this building up to a very pinnacle point. And the pinnacle point is the creation of man. I want you to notice something in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that illustrates this point. The first two words of the verse simply says, then God. In those two words, the rhythm of creation was changed. In all the other creations, the verbiage that is used is, and God. Go back and look through Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let there be light. And God, and God, and God. But when it comes to man, it says, then God. It's this idea of saying, this is something special. This is the pinnacle. This is the climax of the creation story. Something incredible is about to happen. It's not just another creation. Then, finally, God made man in the likeness of himself. How many of you have ever been to uh, Texas Day Brazil and eaten dinner at Texas Day Brazil? Okay. Uh, if you haven't gone, you need to go. It, it's a, it needs to be a very special occasion. It's a little expensive. That's the only time Kathy and I go. It, little hint here, you can create your own uh, email account and you can get a coupon. <laughs> That's the only way that we get to go. So, uh, But I love going to Texas Day Brazil. And, and for those of you that don't know, there is no menu. Right? You don't order. They just bring meat around the whole time you're there. And you turn this little card, on one side it's red, on the other side it's green. It should never be red, okay? I'm just, this advice for you. I'm coaching you up. It should stay green, and, uh, and they come around with meat, and you eat until you get the meat sweats, right? That's what you do at this restaurant. And it's amazing. Now, my favorite cut of meat at Texas Day Brazil is the picanha. Uh, the picanha. It is just incredible. And you get it medium, right? There, there's no other way to eat a steak, by the way. For those of you that are well done, folks, you just don't know, right? You have not seen the light, and we'll pray for your salvation. But, uh, <laughs> but you, get it, you get it medium, and it's the best cut of meat. And it's so good. It's my favorite. And here's what I do. Whenever, whenever I do go there, I make sure it's the last thing that I eat. You know what I'm talking about? I want the last thing in my mouth to be the best thing. You, you save the best for last, well, in a sense, it's exactly what God has done. He has saved the best creation for last. Listen, you, no matter what you view of yourself, you are God's most prized creation. How's that for building your self-esteem? Uh, God thinks so much of you. You have an intrinsic value. And Paul echoes this very truth in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. When he says, for we are his workmanship. The word translated as workmanship there is the Greek word poema. It's where we get the word poem. You are God's poem. 
You are God's masterpiece. You are God's expression of love. You are made in the image of God. So there's harmony in Genesis 1 and 2. And God alone created man, and we are God's most prized creation. Then I want to talk about the God is the source of life. God is the source of life. The breath of life from God, when God breathed life into Adam, he gave him life, and he illustrated the fact that he is the source of life. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 again, as we see this incredible thing take place. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Let me tell you what this verse means. It means when God took the dust of the earth and he formed Adam, in that moment, Adam laid on the ground lifeless. It says that he formed Adam, and then he breathed into Adam, and then and only then did the man become a living creature. Isn't that incredible? The reason why you have life is because God has breathed it in you. God has breathed it in me. God is the source of all life. And and this word breathed, means a a uh it means to inflate it means to kindle it means to blow violently have you ever tried to start a campfire and and you blew into the bottom of the campfire to try to kindle the fire you know you're blowing hard right and you're trying to give life to that fire that's exactly what god did he kindled life within humanity and he did so by blowing into the nostrils of mankind his very own breath god is the source of life so we've talked about the design now i want to talk about the distinction and when i say the distinction i mean that humans are distinct from all other creation we are special we are distinct No other creation contains the breath of God, you see. No other creation is made in the image of God. That is only reserved for humans. Now, we have a dog. He's a standard poodle. His name is Jax, and we love Jax, right? And I think Jax loves us. I think he only loves us so that he gets to eat. I really do believe that. That's the only reason why he loves us. And and yes, he has a personality, but let me tell you something. Jax is not seeking after God. And God is not seeking after Jax. Why? Because we as humans differ from animals. We differ from animals in three ways. There are three ways we are distinct from all other creation. Number one is our ability to relate to God. Jax, like I said, is not seeking a relationship with God, nor is God seeking a relationship with Jax. But God is seeking a relationship with you and me. He he is pursuing us. And he has created us to pursue him. The very longings that we have in our heart, that thing that drives us to search for significance, that thing that we try to, uh, the void that we try to fill with all kinds of material things and, and things of this earth, temporal things, is evidence that God has created us. He's designed within us a pursuit of him. Because that void can only be filled by Almighty God. 
And so he's created us that way. And only humans have the ability to relate with God. Number two, the way that we're distinct is that humans are set above all other creation. God uniquely set us apart and gave us a job. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 again. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps in the earth. God has asked humans, the only creation, to manage the rest of his creation. Uh, And it is only said of humanity that we are made in the image of God. And so we are distinct in that way. The third way is that we are distinct is in our relationships with one another. There are instructions within the biblical text that teach us on how to relate to one another. But there is no such instruction, no such book for animals on how they are to relate to one another. Let me give you an example. There is no such thing as animal-on-animal violence litigation. We We don't take an animal to court because of the violence that they showed on another animal, but we do with humans. Why is that? Because humans are different. Humanity bears the very image of God. And so it is to be held in the highest of regard. The value of mankind is elevated by God above all other creation. And so in that, we are distinct. That leads us to our third point today, talking about the destiny. And when I talk about the destiny, what I am making reference to is eternal life eternity. The Hebrew word for breath can be translated in a few different ways. It can be translated as wind, air, or spirit. In fact, in many places in both the Old and the New Testament, it is translated as spirit. And God himself is spirit. Jesus tells us that, and he tells us that we are to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So if God is spirit and he breathed spirit within us, then that means he gave us a spirit. God gave us a soul. And part of being made in the image of God means that we are spiritual beings. Listen, I'm here to tell you, you are way more than just flesh and blood. You are a living soul. And you've been given that by the very breath of God that has been breathed into you. You are a spiritual being. We are more than dust. We are more than a rib, beloved. We are living souls. And here's the thing. When God breathed a spirit, when he breathed a soul into us, he designed that soul to live forever. Your soul will live forever. Your soul has a destiny, an eternal life. Now, here's the deal. The question is not whether or not your soul will live on forever. It's where your soul will live forever. That's the question. And when God breathed that into us, He destined us to live for eternity. Paul talks about this very same thing in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 and 2. Listen to what he says. He says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home, that is our body, our flesh, 
If that tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands in the eternal heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. The idea is, is that we will battle our physical bodies and we will long for our newly regenerated spiritual bodies. And the fragility of our earthly tent and the things that we endure in this body is a reminder of the fact that this body is just temporary. Oh, but your soul is forever. And this gives us hope. No matter what it is that we face, no matter the brokenness that we encounter, we have hope. Why? Because we have the very Spirit of God, the breath of God within us. And you will live for eternity. Now, I want to, in the short amount of time that we have left, talk about a couple of application points. We spent a lot of time developing this doctrine of the Imago Dei, this doctrine of the breath of life. And the question then becomes, how does this impact the way in which we view the world? How does this impact the way in which we operate? And and there's two main application points that I want to offer to us today. First, I think that this doctrine communicates that all human life is valuable. All human life is valuable. By breathing into mankind, God has elevated the value of human life. We talked about the fact that we are his most prized creation. And as a result, you and I, we are to hold all human life in the highest of regard. Regardless of socioeconomics, national origin, ethnicity, ability or disability, strength or vulnerability, all life is to be valued and protected. And so this is what this means for a human, for a Christian. We are to celebrate human life like we did today in our family dedication. You are to celebrate human life. And we are to stand opposed to all life-destroying measures. The Imago Dei and the breath of God is why we as Christians care about things like racism, It's why we care about human trafficking. It's why we care about abuse. And it's why we care about abortion. Those things ought to grate against our hearts. Because every human, by nature of being made in the image of God, is worthy of dignity, worthy of compassion, and worthy of hope. And we are called by God, driven by this very doctrine, to value all human life. Hear me from conception to the grave. As I've heard it said, from the womb to the tomb. We are to value human life. I think a lot of times we fall into this trap of believing that we live in a part of the the world that we all think the same on this issue. right? I I think I know where most of you land on this issue and you say yes and amen to, to that very thing. But did you know just two weeks ago, right here in our own community, this over-the-counter drug became available? Anyone can purchase this drug without a prescription or any consult from a physician. Now, I want to make mention of this today for a couple of reasons. Number one, there's a lot of confusion as to what this drug is and what it does. And number two, it specifically infringes upon what we've talked about this morning. 
I asked a local physician, by the way, this, this photograph was taken in our very own Walmart. And I asked a local physician about this drug. It's billed as a birth control drug. But the physician that I consulted said it is designed to prevent pregnancy, but it also is designed to terminate the life of a days-old human being. It is, in effect, the same drug as a birth control pill, but only in higher doses. And here's my question. How is it that birth control pills are regulated by prescription and this is not? This is real life in our very own community. And one of the responsibilities that God has given to us, the church, is to be a prophetic voice in the culture. And this is an issue which we as believers of Jesus must speak. Because attacking the life in the womb is waging war on God himself. And woe to us that would ever do such a thing. And it's over the counter. And and, and listen, I'm not trying to make this a political issue. What I'm trying to make this is an Imago Dei issue. You understand? Image of God. Breath of life. Breath of God issue. And the reason I bring this up is because it is critical. We are in a critical state where future generations must know their value, they must know their worth, and they must know where God's Word stands on issues like this. And the church must be this prophetic voice. Our understanding of being created in the image of God must drive our thinking here. There is no gray area from a biblical standpoint. All human life is valuable and worthy of respect and dignity, period, end of the discussion from a biblical standpoint. The second application point that I want to discuss is that we we long to relate to God. We long to relate to God. I mentioned earlier that there is a longing in the depths of our hearts to relate to God. And God longs in the depths of his heart to relate to you. But the truth is, is that we've been separated from God. And there's a specific thing that has separated us from God. And that thing is called sin. Sin means to miss the mark of God's perfection, God's holiness. You and I sin whenever we do say or think anything that is contrary to the holy word of God. And guess what? We sin all the time. And that sin, that breaking of a relationship with God has a profound impact on where your soul will spend eternity. And so long as we are separated from God, we have a terrible destiny. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages, in other words, what we earn, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, We will live eternally, but it will be living an eternal death in a very real place called hell. And I tell you that only because I love you. And it would not be loving to not warn someone of that eternal destination. But God provided a remedy. He provided a solution. And there is but one solution to this isolation problem. Continue the verse. For the wages of sin is death, but 
the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the deal. God gave us the breath that gave us life. Sin has destroyed that life, but God wants to breathe again and give you a new life in Christ. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.